1: Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk with creative Mississippians. I'm your host, Lauren Rhodes, Director of Grants at the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I'm talking with Guillermo Billy Salinas. Billy is a pastry chef and visual artist based in Jackson. He is the owner of Just Vanilla Bake Shop and the Director of Operations at the Collage Artist Collective. Last fall, he was a contestant and finalist on Season 7 of Food Network's Halloween Baking Championship. Welcome, Billy. Thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
1: Thanks. Um, so we'll just start a little bit with, you know, where you came from. I, you were born in Texas, but you moved to Mexico mm-hmm. as a child um, with your family. Um, when did you move there and where did you grow up in Mexico?
0: Yeah, so we were in Texas uh, for a little bit. Um, I think I was just about turning two when we moved down to um, Mexico. So my parents were missionaries. So they um, always wanted to work um, close to where my dad grew up, which was in Acapulco. Um, So that's three hours north. So I grew up in Ixtapas y and I was there until I was 17.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a child, um, growing up there, were you drawn to artistic pursuits?
0: I didn't really know um that it, I was being um forget the pun drawn to it but I just like <laughs> to draw a lot um yeah. and I just remember thinking that that was just something a lot of people did and so I was always the kind of guy that friends would ask to draw stuff but I thought it was you know nothing nothing crazy um but I got into baking and pastry which I liked working with my hands I liked creating I liked making things so um yeah it was a fun job,
1: um, wait. So, as a child, were you well, a child, I was
0: fourteen, so okay, yes, when as you a started, child. yeah, getting interested in baking, well, I was probably ten when I got interested in baking. I okay. was fourteen, I think, when I got my first job,
1: okay. Mm-hmm. So how did you become interested in baking? Did you see there, you know, there being any overlap between, you know, drawing and this seemed like another kind yeah. of artistic thing, or how did that first interest you?
0: Well, like I said, I enjoy working with my hands. I mm-hmm. was always very hands-on um, kind of kid, you know, um, playing with all different types of makeup things, if it was, like, a Bionicles or a Legos or just one of those, like, <clears throat> model stuff of any form, taking yeah. apart putting it together. Um, and I realized that cooking and baking was pretty similar. The same thing <laughs> with drawing, you know, different things, coloring and all that stuff, fun stuff. So it appealed to me, and yeah. um, it was really it's a very satisfying thing to bake um because it's an instant gratification you make something and then you show it to someone and they can instantly enjoy it Mm -hmm. um so that was also just a really fun medium to work with of i get to make something to make people happy um and um i can get a job doing it it was it was pretty nice
1: yes um so you said your first job was at 14 Mm -hmm. what were you doing
0: um, a guy liked the cookies I made and just said, Hey, um, I have this bake shop. Do you want to just come in and make those cookies a few times? And I was like, sure. Wow. Um, and then I helped out a little bit, you know, here and there, and I started learning how to do other recipes in the bakery and they kept me on for longer doing other stuff. And, um, yeah, so that just kind of kept growing.
1: Very cool. Um, so what made you decide to enroll in culinary school?
0: Um, I had a, uh, a mentor, a friend of the family um, of my parents. Um, his name was Willie Besmer. Um, he was a master pastry chef. Um, and he uh, worked in Acapulco Princess for a um, number of years, which were, they, were they my parents. Um, and so my mom, as soon as she saw that I was interested in baking, she asked him, she was like, what is... You know, got us in contact, and we started talking. And at this point, when I was getting close to being 17, he had kind of been mentoring me, like, get jobs, work. You know, I learned mm-hmm. from School of Hard Knocks. Like, just get your hands on whatever you can. Any opportunity you can go, go work for hotels. And if you keep liking it, because it's not the uh, easiest career, yeah. Um. when you get old enough, come to my school, and I'll teach you. So when I turned 17, I moved to Fresno, California.
1: Okay. So um, that's a pretty big move. Mm-hmm. Was there any, you know, what was, was there any culture shock or did you just dive right in and? There's a little bit of,
0: um, I think anyone starting, the for the first time by themselves, especially mm-hmm. at 17, you know, new stuff is figuring out, uh, where to live, you know, how to make your own groceries. I was pretty independent before then, which is one of the reasons my parents knew like, yeah, this is fine. You can hang handle it. But I had to get a phone, get a, you know, bank account, all that fun right. stuff. Um, Culturally, though, being my mom American and my dad Mexican, we traveled back and forth from the United States quite a bit. Gotcha. Um, so America wasn't new to me.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so when you were enrolling in culinary school and choosing baking, um, you know, to me, pastry and kind of that that side of the culinary arts seems the most challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the most precise, the most exacting. Um, Did you, you know, having this kind of artistic background as well, um, did that give you a leg up or is it just completely, you know, different side of the brain that you were using?
0: No, it it starts, I started realizing that um, making things and putting stuff together, um, whatever medium you're using, they Mm -hmm. overlap. All the time, and so drawing conceptually in something two-dimensional, as as doing something as simple as drawing up a sketch for a cake design or something like that, um, is very useful. And then the same, you know, hand techniques and just the uh, precision in making lines. Um, when you start getting, which now I have a little bit more of the language for, um, but when you start getting into a general sense of design, if you're going to make something, um, design ele- elements still apply to whatever you're doing to be mm-hmm. able to be aesthetically pleasing.
1: Because you kind of have to envision what the final product is going to be like. And mm-hmm. I imagine sometimes mm-hmm. you're probably sketching it on paper. On paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you, you were in culinary school in California. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, you make your way to Mississippi. Can you tell us a little bit about how that happened?
0: Yeah. So after California, um, I went back to Mexico, um, worked for a little bit. But um, I'd gotten the equivalent of um, a certificate for just like a year, intensive of bacon and pastry specialist. Um, But I really wanted to finish um, a college degree just to have that as just something that I had done, especially while being so young because I moved back when I was 19. So I was like, well, Mm -hmm. if there's a time that I'm going to do this, it might be now. Um, So I started looking into schools. Um, I started looking into culinary management schools and just going back into just a full um, degree. Uh, The culinary school turned out to be very expensive. um, So I was going to take a pause on that um, but in the meantime, my sister was also looking at colleges, my youngest sister, and she stumbled upon Bellhaven and she was wanting to go there. And I saw that they had an arts program, um, and someone had told me back in California that I should apply to an art school. They'd hmm. seen my drawings, and they are like, that's something that you could pursue if you wanted to. So on a whim, I was like, "Okay, I'll submit." Just looking at a bunch of different schools, sending different things, seeing what bites. Um, I sent my portfolio to Bellhaven um, to Bob Pennybaker, and it was just full of cake designs, a few drawings that I had done, and chocolate sculptures. Wow! Um, and he called me pretty. You know, he's like, "What do I need to get do to get you to Bellhaven?" um he just saw a sense of design going back to that mm-hmm. of just like there's something there and I think that you could do really well if you know taught a little bit more
1: and i'm sure that application stood out from other students just because of your work experience mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. yeah
0: so so yeah they i got a you know good enough scholarship to be able to afford it mm-hmm. um, and i came to Jackson Mississippi
1: so um being at Bellhaven, what was your education like there? What classes did you like the best, and kind of what what types of media did you explore?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of the things I really ha- uh, enjoy, and the chocolate work and um, cake designs to kind of feed into that, is sculpture. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of um, I do a lot of woodworking. I did a lot of wood sculptures. I did a lot of metalwork, um, things like that. Um, I haven't had a chance to work with sculpture in that degree because it takes a lot of equipment. Yeah. Um, and I'm slowly building my studio, but I'm not quite there yet. But I would love to get back into sculpting. But the other one that I just have continued doing since I, you know, since I can remember has been drawing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did a lot of that while at Belhaven. Um, I took every class they offered for drawing. Um, did independent studies on drawing. I did photography as well. Um, I did, as well as, you know, just basics of of everything else. But, yeah, I think predominantly drawing and sculpting.
1: That's cool. I imagine going from sculpting chocolate and cakes, you Mm -hmm. know, to metal and wood is, it's kind of a range you've got there.
0: Yeah, you start seeing that the different mediums start blending, and it becomes a medium. Interesting. And you're like, oh, how much can I manipulate this thing? And what can it do? Um, And so the artistic side and going to art school gave me a, huge liberty to be able to explore that a little bit more. Because I was so used to, I have this idea, um, let's make it into something that's going to be practical and then get eaten. Mm -hmm. So there was so much practicality and an end craft to what I was doing. Um, But at Bellhaven for the first time, I was um, able to explore no end goal. I didn't know what this medium was going to be or what it was going to do or what function it was going to entail. I was just exploring what could be done. Right. Very Mm
1: -hmm. cool. so, when you got out of Bellhaven, graduated with your bachelor's of fine arts, mm-hmm. um, did you know then that you wanted to get back into the world of culinary arts, mm-hmm. and did you want to work in a restaurant or a bakery, or what was your, what was your in, you know, what was your vision for your career at that point?
0: Um, it's been interesting because my career kind of keeps flopping, ping pong back and forth between art making and um, culinary. Um, and I never seemed to there's be able to... There's a lot of to, overlap, There's yeah. a lot of overlap, and I don't... Sometimes I think, well, I'm going to... Like, when I went to Belhead, I was like, well, I'm just going to be an artist now, and just do that. Um, and then while there, I also got a job um, working at La Brioche. Mm-hmm. So I was a sous chef there for all the way up until college. And then I met my wife, and she's a dancer. And so she was finishing up her master's, so I stayed in Jackson for a little bit longer. And then... We were looking at places for—and so working at La Brioche and just doing art stuff on the side and finishing my um, side of studies.
1: And for those who don't know, La Brioche was a wonderful uh, pastry shop mm-hmm. in Jackson, mm-hmm. that really fine, fine art pastry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
0: very French patisserie. I think it was one of the first people bringing that European style. Um, so— uh, but I met my wife and we got married and she was looking to going into dancing for a company somewhere. And I told her, I was like, you find a place. I was like, I can get a job. This is your time. You're going to be dancing. So, you know, I don't know anything about dance. You find a city. We'll go. Um, and so she found Houston. And so looking into Houston, I found um, someone looking for a position as a sous chef um, for the Post Oak Hotel, um, which is the only Forbes place. Um, hotel in i know houston and it might be i think it's the second in texas hmm. um which forbes is just a fancy way of saying that um the one percent is the people that okay catered yeah, there and yeah stuff. so it was a huge step too in my career just being able to get that position like i was just good enough to get in um but we moved down there and so working there for about a year until covid hit it was a huge exposure for me as far as, like, I had—I'd gotten to the point where very few people were critiquing me in the way that the chefs there would. It hmm. would pick apart every little detail, even things that I'm like, there's no way they're going to catch that. They would catch it. Wow. And because it was such a—their clientele was so particular that they just—it was excellence or nothing. Um, so— that. So
1: what was the stress level like working at that level?
0: very very high especially yeah, yeah um I was putting well in twelve sixteen hour days Wow mm-hmm. sometimes working six days a week. it's intense like it's a when you get into hotel work um people don't realize how high pace it is and how stressful it can be. It's fun, but it's stressful.
1: Can you give us an example of some of the the things you were making?
0: So, a lot of the things that I would do, um, particularly at the post oak, is uh, managing. So, once you get to the title chef, um, it basically means that you're a little bit more departed from the kitchen making mm-hmm. itself and just making sure that it runs consistently and get every your team and assembly lines and just everything. You still help in and do different things, but you just make sure that um, everything's running. So, but we did have over seven outlets that the bakery would run out of. So between uh, bakery, restaurants, uh, in-room dining, all these different things, uh, banquets on top of that, there was a lot. It was a a big operation for a small bakery, for sure. Very impressive, yeah.
1: Yeah. Hi, I'm Lauren Rhodes. You are listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The Arts Hour is a co-production of the Mississippi Arts Commission and MPB Think Radio. You can also listen to the show on Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. What is Chalkboard Chat? It's an MPB education podcast. It's a variety show providing information and resources for teachers, students, parents, guardians, and everyday people on various topics. It's learning something new with every publication. Chalkboard Chat. Find the podcast or listen from chalkboardchat.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Lauren Rhodes, Director of Grants at the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I am talking with Guillermo Billy Salinas. Billy is a pastry chef, a visual artist, and entrepreneur in Jackson. Welcome back, Billy. Um, Last fall, you were selected as a contestant on the Food Network Halloween Baking Championship. Very exciting. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like?
0: Um, it was an experience. (laughs) (laughs) It was, uh, so I'd actually been talking about before ping-ponging back and forth, uh, between pastry. So I had been, after COVID happened, I hadn't really been baking, um, and that's when we moved back to Jackson. I hadn't been baking for about a year or so. Um, so I was out of the game for it, but I get a message, um, from Food Network, from a scout just on Instagram, just saying, hi, would you be interested um, in participating in the Halloween Baking Show. And I was... First of all, I was waiting for a Social Security number to be asked and, you know, when it wasn't just a scam. Yeah. But the interviews kept going on and kept going through one process and one process until uh, finally, up until almost two weeks out, I got the green light. It was really quick turnaround. It was one of those things where they... Went through interview, interview. Um, they did a small staging process where they just to make sure that you can do what you say you can do. So in that, person? No. What? So this was all during COVID too. So we, everything was normally it would have been some form of in person, mm-hmm. but now it's just uh, Zoom and time yourself honor system. They were like, if you can't do it in the time that we say you probably don't want to lie about it because you're not going to be able to do it on camera. Because
1: then you'll be on camera in front of a national audience, yeah.
0: So it was a lot of the honor system. So they saw that and that got approved. Um, And, yeah, they just kept waiting and just, like, just block these dates out for whatever reason. Um, And then, yeah, I think it was two weeks before um, they said, yeah, you're one of the contestants and we'll have your flight and we'll have your room and this is where to go. And
1: So where was it filmed?
0: Um, it was filmed in Knoxville.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. They have a studio there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so did you have an idea of the challenges before you got there? No clue. Or the other contestants?
0: Oh uh, no, none of the contestants. I remember when we were like, we arrived. We were all kind of just like looking around, being like at the airport, like who, is, who is the competition? <laughs> Who's walking around with the whisk? You know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you have to bring your no. own? No, they, oh, okay, they, they, okay. they
0: they they gave us everything. They did. They have a great kitchen, but no, you weren't allowed to bring anything in. Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: So give give us a sense, I guess, of the other contestants were they from all over the country
0: yeah they were from all over the country um a lot of um owners um executives pastry chefs pastry chefs of some form bakers um cruise line pastry chefs um were a very large array of different people in the industry but all very very talented hmm. mm-hmm.
1: and so what was what were the the challenges what?
0: we had there were. It was mostly the time was some of the Challenges to begin with, but we had to do anything from three foot tall cakes to um, that were some type of it was eighties theme, so it had to be horror element of some form. To drip cakes, to filled cookies, um, to donuts, um, all different types of stuff. All of them with their no recipes,
1: right? Mm -hmm. Like you had to just have your recipe in your mind Mm -hmm. and create it and make it. Yeah, Um, I read something about a clown cake that you yeah that was the infamous clown cake
0: yeah so the clown cake was um probably when i thought i was like that was my time to come so every time you would go into every week it was uh it, it, especially when it started narrowing down anyone could go it's just a slip it's who has a slip today um ah. and my you know it could be anything of just forgetting something that's all it took and it'll it put you automatically in the bottom um so my slip happened, I think episode I think it might have been episode four or so. So but you made it I made it that's I was pretty far. I was already pretty I was halfway through, so I was like, you know what, whatever, if this is a slip, this is my slip and I'm gone. Yeah. It's fine. Um and I think that's kind of what pushed me to kept going. But basically I was I was getting momentum. I better the four episode and you know where the kitchen is. One of the thing I'm really good at is speed. I'm conv- Crank up stuff pretty fast. So I was the first one even just, like, decorating my cake and just kind of starting to put the first glare on. But I went too fast, and the cake was way too warm. Oh. And it started literally from the inside just kind of melting and oozing. And so I had to just grab the whole cake and just throw it in the trash before oh. it just made a mess everywhere and start everything from scratch.
1: Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, and it was the shape of a clown, so that's why the clown cake. But uh-huh. it ends up the being that I ended up pulling, I think, with an hour left on the clock, a com- I did a cake in an hour. Baked it and decorated it. Baked it and decorated it in less than, I think it was an hour or so. I can't remember. I know I had the cake in the oven, I think it was in 15 minutes.
1: I can't even make a banana bread in an hour. Mm-hmm.
0: It was it was very stressful, but I was just at that point, I didn't even look at the clock. I just kind of, if if I'm going to go, I'm going to give it the best, you know, out possible. So.
1: So tying into your background as an artist, too, did you feel like... You know, with the decorating, were you kind of thinking outside the box a little in bit. terms of that I style? Could,
0: yeah, I think I can get to the point where I can um, work with what I have really mm-hmm. well. So if, I, if stuff kind of gets switched on me, I can make something do pretty quickly. So I typically have like a loose idea. And so I was able to um, – that part was since it's the least amount of time that I had um, went by pretty quickly. And I did well enough to – and make the cake look passable <laughs>
1: that's pretty cool yeah so do you think w- would you ever go back on another baking competition was it like the kind of experience that you would want to do again or is it sort of that one time you know
0: if you'd have asked me right after the finale i would have said no <laughs> <laughs> um and after a while though it i i think i would do it again yeah it, it, Like I said, it stretches you. any type of stress environment, even if it is stressful, um, you grow from it. Um, And I've definitely grown from that experience. And also just meeting the bakers was a great experience. And I would love to be in another. It's very rare that you get a room full of people that share that passion with you. Mm -hmm. That have similar stories of they've baked since typically bakers, especially at that higher level of that get to do it so well they've done it for a long time Mm -hmm. Um, and they can share experiences with you that other people just can't.
1: So even though you're competing, there's not like animosity. It's more of like, you know, you're, we
0: had a very healthy. Yeah. Good.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you still keep in touch with,
0: yeah, we have a group text message. I think at least weekly, if not almost every other day, we get some type of message trail.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. Very neat. Um, So, you know, that experience coming back to Jackson, did it kind of inspire any new creations that you've been whipping up back here?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, one of them was um, just Vanilla Bakes. Um, so that has been—so I've I'd, I'd been back in Jackson for a while, and I hadn't been doing any artwork. i had been working for Collage, uh, which is an arts and artists collective, um, and been the director of operations for that. Um, So I hadn't really been doing much baking, but then the show happened, and then afterwards, people were interested in when are you going to bake, you know, do you have your bake shop, you know, where can I get your stuff, and I was just getting a few orders here and there, so I decided to kind of take it to the next level and start a weekly bake, so every week I send out an email, if you're on the email list, um, of what bake I'm going to be doing that week, Um, and you can sign up for that and pick it up on Friday, and so... That has been slowly trickling to now selling at the farmer's market. Now I'm selling stuff at a coffee shop. So it's slowly starting to grow.
1: So what sorts of things do you bake for, for just vanilla bake shop?
0: Um, it varies. Every At the farmer's market, one of the things I'm known for the most is croissants. I make okay. a really, really good Which croissant.
1: Which I've been told are very difficult to make.
0: Mm-hmm. So I like challenges. Yeah, is, clearly. Yeah. Um, and... and being able to do a really good croissant, it's it's very meticulous and it takes its time and its patience, but the reward is so good. Um and so every Saturday I sell my croissants at the farmer's market now. Um and that's one of the things that's, you know, consistently there from chocolate to a different field of all different sorts. But weekly bake is kind of—well, uh, I'll see what's happening that week of. Like, this week is um, coming up uh, is Father's Day. So I'm going to do a Father's Day-inspired um, bake. So I did a bacon cinnamon roll bourbon um, Wow. Yeah. So.
1: That sounds very delicious and mm-hmm. intense. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. good. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Me as a father, I— Quite enjoyable.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned too that you know you're the director of operations at Collage. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit more about what Collage is, where where you're located, mm-hmm. what kind of activities you guys do.
0: Yes, so we are located um, off a of high street. So right across from the fairgrounds, um, and there's a little area. So we were um, given a building to um, Collage, which is a nonprofit that my father-in-law runs and has been doing it for a while. I think he started it in the 80s in California and brought it with him over here. Well, the idea, the concept of it is just a collective of artists coming mm. together. Um, and since we were given a building um, pretty soon after COVID um, donated to us, well, what can we do with this building? So we started creating... And this is when I moved back to Jackson. So we started creating a space for artists. Um, first, fixing the building and giving artists a space to be able to either create... Um, we have a theater company. We have a, uh, We set down a dance floor, so we have a dance company. City Dance goes there. Um, we have a few different um, uh, classes that go on in um, different places from art to gallery openings to sometimes hosting... Uh, we're just now starting to host... Worship nights and um, music concerts. We have a singer song or um, writer group that meets there. Traylon Elserath is the one that um, leads that. And so, yeah, it's just a melting pot of different things. Me, as myself, as one of the collective, as the visual artist that works okay. there. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. And so as director of operations, are you kind of organizing programs and being mm-hmm. yeah, um, so an artisan?
0: Typically, I, I started with just kind of let's fix this building. Let's get it to where it can be. Um, it can host people. Um, and now it's been slowly figuring out what types of things that we can be hosting, bringing people in, what um, everyone needs to be able to accommodate them, whether that be spacing, furniture, things, moving around. The building, I've done a few things where it can be very manipulable, where mm-hmm. you can, uh, we have walls that can be moved and structured so that space can be closed off for theaters, for dance, for different things Neat. like that. Mm-hmm.
1: And is there a commercial kitchen in there, or where do you do your your baking?
0: So we had thought about putting a commercial a kitchen in there um, at one point, but then we, we started realizing that that was going to be— well, the person that was going to be use it was going to be me. So that kind of needed to be different than the arts and focused more on um, my own business, which just vanilla, and maybe having an own entity of itself. Um So it's still working in tangent, because my father-in-law and my brother-in-law and myself, we also run North Shore Specialty Coffee. Um, So between the three of us, we're (laughs) running a nonprofit, running a coffee business, and then (laughs) (laughs) Just Vanilla is kind of falling under the umbrella of the coffee shop. Gotcha. Um, So we kind of partner up at the farmer's market where we get a cup of coffee and we do baked goods. Um So primarily because of that i 've been able to operate under the cottage law, so everything right now is out of my kitchen, gotcha which i'm getting at the very tip of what my kitchen can produce,
1: yeah,' because you're probably getting a lot of an increase in orders mm-hmm. every week, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, my wife is very patient, <laughs>
1: <laughs> filling up the counter space and... oh
0: yeah i've I've doing my best, but when it comes to the weekend, she just <laughs> she's a very patient lady.
1: Yes, and a great dancer as well. Yes. She yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Um, well, tell us a little bit. You mentioned um, Traylon Elstroth, who mm-hmm. uh, is going to be our musician featured again in this this next song, um, and he's an artist at Collage. So, what's what does that look like for you know a, a songwriter mm-hmm. to take residence in?
0: Yeah. Collage? So, um, so Traylon works there and has his um, studio there where he writes most of his stuff and records it. Um, and so he's similar to me of just kind of as a visual artist, um, trying to sell my work and trying to get different things. I use the space for, um, he uses it in the sense of, um, sorry, I just blink for a complete second. He uses it in the sense that he has a meeting there with um, all of his different singer-songwriters, and he's able to produce his music with the um, ability to be able to perform. So that's what he uses it, and collage helps by um, getting him places and getting him um, places to be able to <clears throat> show his music, okay, um, and different things like that.
1: Very Sorry. cool. Hi, I'm Lauren Rhodes. You are listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The Arts Hour is a co-production of the Mississippi Arts Commission and MPB Think Radio. You can also listen to the show on Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at 5. To have access to all Arts Hour interviews, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. On Southern Remedy Healthy & Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and & Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Lauren Rhodes from the Mississippi Arts Commission, and today I am talking with artist and pastry chef Billy Salinas. So we were just talking about, um, you know, your your pastry practice, your uh, mm-hmm. pastry chef, and you have a bake shop, Just Vanilla Bakes. Um, but I want to kind of change gears and talk about your practice as a visual artist, and um, you mentioned that you you draw you've done sculpture um photography um how has your you know your practice as a visual artist changed over time? you know what did you like to draw as a kid, and how has that evolved into what you're doing now
0: mm-hmm. um I remember uh I forget all my <laughs> what I drawed when I was a kid was a lot of um stuffed animals. I do remember that, and um, but I did like animation. I did. Um, I think one of the earlier things that I actually was interested in was being um, a, one of the artists for like a, a Disney thing, especially because I would like look at all the arts and sketches that they were doing. I was so much fun. Mm. Um, but that changed when I when it started getting a little bit less pen and paper because mm-hmm. I love pen and paper and I love just kind of that raw um, bit of doing it. And started getting computer screened a little bit more. Uh, on the digital side of things and having... So that type of graphic... You know, it's it's still fun and I'm still interested, but I love the paper aspect You like the tangible... It. Yeah, I love old um, styles of animation and watercolor and hmm. just kind of like that little bit of stop. Um, Miyazaki, I'm a huge fan of all of his type of illustration for okay. his animation. Um, and so I think a mixture of that, of loving watercolors, um, loving that kind of like loose drawing, um, really <laughs> drew me into liking how to draw with dip pen, which is, um, it's just the ink, again, old school way of drawing where you have a pen, um, with a, you know, quill pen, dip it in the paper and then you make your mark. Hmm. Um, and then you keep doing that and dip and continue making. Um, and then I started exploring that with that, I can also make different washes. So I would use brushes similar to like watercolor where I would water down the ink and be able to use that to create value on paper. Um... The advantages of using an old-style dip pen is that it um, it allows you to make different marks um, with your sensitivity. So if you press really hard, it will open the pen quill to Hmm. release more ink, so you can make a large, broad mark, similar to like calligraphy. Okay. Um, Or if you're really delicate with your sensitivity, it can make a really, really fine mark. Um, So a pen, that dip pen, just allows so much more. Mixing of the media. You can even use the dip pen itself with watered down ink to make more of a gray mark instead of just a stark black. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of what my drawings look like right now. It's a pen and ink uh, dip pen uh, with washes. And so I did that while I was at Bellhaven. Again, taking all these just drawing classes, experimenting with different mediums, what I liked, what I didn't. I love the unforgivingness of the pen. Because it was difficult. Yeah. Um if you can master it, it just it, it pays off. I like that. And one of the reasons why I like making croissants. I like making it's challenging, but if I can do it um, And it
1: probably requires a lot of repetition and practice. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um which I apparently I'm good at. <laughs> so um <laughs> And so I started just drawing from life, just different things around Bellhaven itself. So I did a lot of house drawings, a lot of um, foliage and different landscapes. Um, Yeah, drawing from um, on location too was something that I grew into really, really enjoying. Because I had done a lot of drawing where I would take an image and duplicate it Mm -hmm. um, or duplicate it and then slightly change it um, from either photograph or something. Uh one thing, being a student, I did a lot more was just taking my sketchbook and just plop down, sit down, and whatever I saw, I would just draw. And it's a different form of drawing, using your eye to see everything, versus having a photograph that's just already a two-dimensional surface. The camera just sees so differently than mm-hmm. your eye will, because your eye's constantly bouncing back and forth. Um, so you really have to hone in and figure out, okay, this is my area of design, This is what I'm choosing, and it's going to fit in this piece of paper.
1: And Uh, I imagine there's more challenges being in plain air. You know, you have to deal with the elements and distractions. There's
0: a lot of—it's a lot more engaging, Mm -hmm. um, I found. Um, At first, it's annoying because you have car sounds. You have birds. You have, you know, the sun. Where is it hitting you in your face? And you're having to move angles. But all that uh, annoyance and um, noise around you— if you're able to kind of focus and feed, it feeds into tranquility and it also feeds into the drawing. So how I'm feeling at the time or what's going around me or people that are entering wherever I'm drawing, how am I feeling and drawing it right there. It's a weird sense of being able to see someone's emotions through a drawing um, of how they saw the place.
1: And do you notice a different difference between the drawings that you've done say from a photograph and the ones that you've have you ever drawn the same place Mm -hmm. from a photograph and in person
0: i have um and and it is it's different it's and i wouldn't say even better or worse because i'm not saying you know you can't draw from a photograph because i use them quite a bit but the initial drawing the initial what i call like a bones of a drawing where you're getting the the elements where is the tree going to go where is this going to go in relationship to this over here getting that all on paper being there is very, very different than once you have it laid out um, from a photograph. It's you manipulate so much stuff that you don't even realize hmm. it's just instinctual from drawing it being there and not having anything to reference it but size your your view. So I've noticed that, especially in the design part of it. Um, and there's some drawings that I will do from photographs. Like people ask me, commission me to do drawings from photographs, and it's easier now too. To draw ah, from a photograph. Because you don't have the
1: exterior mm-hmm. distractions. Mm-hmm. and yeah,
0: um, But you don't gain that same understanding of the place when you do it just from the photograph.
1: And when you're drawing outside, I, do you have like a time constraint too? You know, mm-hmm. you, you kind of are a little bit more under pressure.
0: You got to work a little bit. You got to be patient. You got to be okay with sitting for a couple hours. Mm. Um, and it grows your patience. It's a form of... Um, you know, meditation to that degree of, you know, you're calming things down, you're focusing, this is, I'm, I'm going to stay here for the next two hours. I'm just going to stay here. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot that you can learn from just putting yourself in one place for two hours and doing nothing but looking. Because that's essentially what you're doing when you're drawing. You're just looking at every single thing. You pick up things that you wouldn't notice before. But that happens after a hump. Because when, when I first sit down, it it's always like the first 30 minutes. I'm I'm angsty. I'm wanting to move. Mm -hmm. I'm wanting to like leave. You know, this is not turning. You pass over the hump of 30 minutes, almost like working out where you just like get over that first 30 minutes of the the jog and then you could go on for a lot longer. Um, It feels like that.
1: Yeah. I feel like that process is similar for writing as well. And I I wonder if other artistic practices are are similar. I'm kind of I'm thinking how, you know, as a, a pastry chef and being on a a baking show was kind of the opposite of that. Like mm-hmm. you don't have time to think you have to just completely go on your instincts. So it's interesting that you have these two almost opposite mm-hmm. practices. Yeah. It, and maybe one is an anti, you know, the sitting and being patient and kind of meditative experience helps.
0: I do like both. relax. Yeah. I, I have, I have noticed that about myself of, of yes, it's all good to draw on everything, but I don't know if I, if I just did that. Um, I would need something else, something that's just a little bit more mechanical, something a little more like I've just just done this for so long, I'm just doing it the way I know it's going to be done, and it's going to result in something I know is going to result. Mm-hmm. And drawing is like I'm going to start with I don't know, and then halfway through I hope this is okay, <laughs> and then at the end oh that's what that was. It's yeah. It's a very different yeah. um, process.
1: A little more free flowing. Hmm. Um. So. Before I started the Arts Commission, I was the director at the Dor Welty House and mm-hmm. Garden here in Jackson. And you um, stopped by one day to do a drawing of the Dor Welty House. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit more about how you got interested in drawing houses and architectural drawings mm-hmm. um, and specifically your your Bellhaven drawings mm-hmm.
0: too? So that's something I've been known for a little bit more now is just uh, house drawings or what I like to call house portraits. Because um, I really like portraiture. I like drawing um, people. Um, but something I've known from drawing people from life, whether that be figure drawing or anything else, um, it's if you try to make a drawing of a person directly how they look, like so let's say from a photograph, it's going to be off. Hmm. They're not going to look like that person, especially if you know them. Photographers do this really well too, where they get to know the person before they photograph them. Um, so that they know what is, how they can get the angle that most shows their personality. Um, Because a person, depending on where they move, where they, you know, their head shape, um, it differs. So I took that same concept with drawing houses, and so the kind of house portraits, where I draw a house or a location, um, and I push the limits of what, how can I draw this in a way that makes it feel more like the place? Unless just architectural. Because if I did it just architectural, it would be it would be fine, you know, it would be a, a nice little drawing. But if I were able to make a drawing that pushed those boundaries, because it's, it's a drawing that I'm doing, I'm not trying to replicate the house. I'm trying to replicate what that house feels like mm-hmm. or what that place feels like. Because um, if you close your eyes and try to think of, let's say, your childhood home, the way you remember it in your memory, I can guarantee you doesn't look at all the structural mm-hmm. um, way it actually is. Um, so I like bridging that gap a little bit by being able to illustrate those. And um, I've gotten pretty good at it, enough to where I've gotten several commissions. And one thing that, and going back to collage, that helps out with artists, for instance, myself that's a resident there, um, the BTC um, people, the Belhaven Town Center, has asked Collage collage to, they commissioned them to do a series of Belhaven drawings. And since I'm one of the artists, they're donating the money to Collage to be able to support me as an artist. So um, I'm able to work for Collage in the time that I'm going to be doing there. I'm actually doing drawings for this commission for these patrons. Um, And so they commissioned a set of 13 drawings of all iconic um, locations around Belhaven.
1: Um, So, Bellhaven is a historic neighborhood here in Mm -hmm. Jackson. How did you select? Did you have, you know, the option of selecting which 13 houses you would do?
0: I did. um, So, I talked with um, the person that commissioned um, uh, Ruffin and, you know, what what was his vision towards it? What did he want to do? He's... um, in charge, one of the, the leaders of the Belhaven Town Center, so one of the person that brought district donuts and the fertile grounds and that whole uh, development area. And so i talked to him, uh, first of his drawing, because he wanted one of, of that whole um, development, and then of all the other ones. of I gave him a big list with me, and, and Doug, the CEO of Collage, um, thought about places. Um, and there were some that were easy to you know, at the top, and then we slowly started whittling some out and putting some in. And then that's when we really were trying to, like, some that we were getting rid of and some that we were keeping, those I had a lot more say in because I would be like, yeah, let's get rid of that one. Not because it's not a good place, but it's not very interesting to draw. Hmm. Let me focus on this one. That this has, will like, be, more interesting mm-hmm. architectural features. Well, I want to or... do this one. I already, yeah. I'd So I would have a little bit more say um just because I know the Bellhaven area so, so well. So I already knew a lot of these buildings, and I knew it wasn't going to be difficult for me to, to draw them if I already had a relationships with it in some way.
1: Mm-hmm. So what have been some of your favorite places to, to draw?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and are you using that same technique mm-hmm. that you described? Yeah, so
0: pen and ink drawings are— yeah, um, Yes. Um, I'm really enjoying right now the Belhaven Town Center because it's okay. the one. Of, is it still under construction? It's or still is under it... construction. Yeah. So that's been an interesting one because talking about having to be able to manipulate what the place looks like. Yeah. So I'm trying to, in this composition, trying to bring in all the buildings, which is challenging in of itself um, because there's a street that divides them. Um, so how do I bring all of them in one um, frame? Um, so I'm having to play with architecture, play with angles, play with perspectives, hmm. um, as well as playing with a few of the buildings that haven't been finished yet. So I've gotten graphic renderings of them to be able to draw. But the structure is there. So that Interesting. helps. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there are a couple other ones Um, I did. The Children's Museum it was really fun to do okay. because it's a children's museum. Yeah. So that fit with my style really well because I had a little bit more... Liberty. Um, so all of them get their little personalities.
1: And so we'll be able to see those at, at the Bellhaven Town Center when it opens.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if people want to learn more about your work and find you online and order pastries from your bake shop, where can we do that?
0: So um, currently right now I operate mostly out of Instagram. So my um, pastry one is just vanilla bakes um, at Instagram. And I also have an art page, which is Guillermo Salinas art. Um, so, those are the two things where you can find me. And then uh, a little bit more at collage.org. Um, that's where you can find everything about the nonprofit. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So, if you can, please contribute today at MPBOnline.org.
1: Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find autocorrect helpful especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app.